Hello and welcome to the Pinch Magic podcast with me, Rebecca Anuwin. So today I'm joined by another incredible author and today it is Liz Childs-Kelly, author and podcast host of the same name of Home to Her. So hi Liz, we were just talking about all things goddessy just before just before we started recording. I'm like, let's have this conversation on the show. So welcome. <laughs> Uh, thank you. You know, it's funny since I'm also a podcaster, I can always tell when it's going to be a good interview when I'm like covering topics about, you know, I'm like before we even start recording, I'm like, have to stop myself. I'm like, wait, 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 let's save it for everybody else too. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I love this part of the book and oh, this goddess, you know, and it's like, so yes, home to her. Let's start there. Where did, or rather what does home to her mean to you? And how did this, this book journey begin for you? Mm, oh, such a such a big and rich question. Um, I I know that 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 uh, analogy or that coming home to ourselves, it's used a lot, right? Like you could almost say, okay, I guess some people might think it's cliche, but for me, it never was. And um, for me, the the learning about the divine feminine and the sacred feminine went hand in hand with a return to my own essence, my body, um, to understanding myself as a sacred being, like those things were mm. completely connected for me. So that's where the, what coming home to her means to me. It is also coming home to ourselves. And, you know, we may be able to get home to ourselves without having to go through her portal, but I think that is a very rich, pow powerful portal for us as women to return to a sense of the sacred in our own bodies and our own lives. So how did her come into your life and what does that energy represent to you? Yeah, and I I write about this in my book. It's in the the first chapter. It was very it was very unexpected. I was on a, a very different trajectory. I I was um, Mrs. Businessy businesswoman, as I like to joke. I was <laughs> with the good shoes. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was I was into shoes. I, I don't. Yeah, I wasn't into shoes, but I, I had a few fancy pairs, <laughs> including one in particular that I referenced in the beginning of the book. Um, and I was very focused, though, on um, a particular uh, what I saw as a particular style of feminism, um, mm. although I could I would not have named it in that way uh, at the time. But I was very pro female, very pro woman. My whole team was all women. Most of my clients were women. Uh, we were funding a scholarship for girls through my company. I was like, I really thought that I am about as rah-rah. Uh, woman as I could be. Um, I didn't understand that I was doing it through a very, um, what I would call like a patriarchal lens, you know, mm. like the, op the opportunities that were available to me had been shaped uh, mostly by men and defined by men. And I also thought in a way that I didn't fully understand that in order to prove myself as a woman with value, I needed to be able to perform in those areas really well. And so that's what kind of defined my my life up until you know, my late thirties. Um, and I was, I was on this trajectory, very focused on growing my business and being successful in that way. And then I had a very unexplainable experience at a business conference, um, where a woman was speaking. She was speaking about, uh, uh, indigenous Hawaiian or indigenous Polynesian navigators. So not necessarily about the divine feminine, but she was speaking about intuition mm, and, and the wayfinders. Yes, the wayfinders mm -hmm. is what she called them. And you know, anybody who's got kids has probably seen the movie Moana at this point, maybe dozens of times as I have. Um, but this was before that. Uh, and so I had never heard this term. I wasn't 
I wasn't familiar with it, but I had a very physical reaction to her words. My whole body got hot um, from my feet, from the ground up. It was a very embodied experience. And um, the room got very distorted and shimmery. And my hearing was like in a tunnel. And I had no idea what was happening. It was beautiful. It was an amazing experience. There was nothing scary about it. But it was like... It, it was very much a before and after moment. Like there was a rip in the, you know, the time space continuum <laughs> or something where, where I had a view into a different, a different reality or that there was this layer. Like I'd just been living in, you know, behind a veil or something. And all of a sudden I could see through it and there was so much more. And I didn't know what any of that meant. So I started studying wayfinders that led me to um, learning about shamanic traditions. And I, all of this, I was doing reading books that were written by, you know, white men of European descent who are mostly anthropologists. So we can unpack the problems with that. But whatever it was, it was enough to really activate something in me. And all of a sudden, all of these things started happening. My dreams got really intense. I started having all of this old trauma that I hadn't thought about for decades, like childhood stuff that would just emerge and needed to come out. I was crying over things that had happened 30 years earlier. And 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 so I'm just riding this wave, not knowing what any of it was. And at the time, I was also pregnant with my second child. And when he was born, that's when all the pieces kind of fell into place. Um, because that experience of childbirth, it was different than my first. I had him um, unmedicated. And so I really was just a servant to this process, this divine mm. force of life moving through me. It was out of my hands. Like I, it was. And so, you know, you're dancing right there at the edge of what feels like life and death, potentially, you know, this life is like moving through your body. And, um, I realized just that this tremendous source of energy was there. All I had to do really was get out of the way of it and let it Use me. That doesn't sound quite right, but you know, let me be in service <laughs> let it, to it. Yeah, let the uh, in, the divine intelligence take over. <laughs> let it do yes. its thing. Yeah. Yes. And during that experience, I had the most vivid sense of all of these women before me who had done the same thing, and this deep connection to them. And so after that, I was like, "Wow, this is amazing!" You know, I've spent months now reading about how life is sacred and all these traditions that honor life as sacred and talk about intuition. How come nobody's telling me about the sacred nature of childbirth? I mean, this is how life enters the world. Why are we not talking about this? I cannot think of something more sacred than this. And now, granted, that information is probably out there. I hadn't found it, but that realization was the opening finally for me to see, like, ah. Oh, I'm seeking the feminine face of God. Like, and, and I have never been exposed to that in my life. And that's what's calling me. That's what's calling me. That's what called me at the business conference. And that's what's calling me now. And, and then from there, I was like, well, now I got to follow it. I mean, there really was, there was, it, there was no other no option. Choice. No, I couldn't. It's like the lights had been turned on and I couldn't go backwards. And so here I am. So here you are. So to go back to the conference and you had that like split. I mean, when I had my moment of like, oh, I refer to mine as a remembering. I didn't quite have like such the visceral feeling that you did, but it was like at a cellular level. It was like, I know this. I don't know how. I don't know it from a book. I don't know it from something that someone has told me, but I know this energy. How do you then 
get on with your daily life. You know, you're the business conference, you go back to work, you're having all of this trauma come up. You know, I know that you've just like succinctly told it in a beautiful story there, but you know, you're having to now live that in almost like a parallel world of like, oh, I've got my business, I'm doing all these things. And yet something deep is clearly happening because all of this stuff is coming up from before. How do you navigate that? Because I know a lot of time when I speak to people or when I've interviewed people, they're like, I honestly thought I was going mad, Rebecca, you know, because it can be such a such a stark, stark contrast to everything that we've known before. So I know that you're a researcher and, you know, award winning, no doubt, but um, no less rather. But it's like, did you like throw yourself into the books, into the learning of things? Did you just allow it to unfold? Did you have like a support network around you to help you navigate those times? What did that look like for you on a daily I would say how I navigated it was not very well in the beginning. <laughs> oh, <fine> I mean, <laughs> well, I did I didn't know what was happening. So mm. yes, there was definitely moments of am I insane? There was a lot of that questioning. I didn't understand what was going on. I knew that I felt more alive than I had ever felt in my entire life. Um, and that happened almost immediately after the business conference, that mm. event. Um but it, it, now my values are being challenged. Now my whole story of myself, which is I'm supposed to perform and, you know, I'm going to grow this business. I'm going to get it really big and I'm going to be a super impressive. Because like, that's what woman. success is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Even though I had never really carried, I hadn't, the, I'd never really been motivated by the money. I mean, the money was just a marker. Like I like goals, mm-hmm. you know, so it was like something to shoot for. Um. But now my identity is being called into question. Now I and it's something that at the time I can't I couldn't talk to my partner about. I felt like I couldn't talk to my partner about. I had um a baby. I had two and a half year old at that time. I was also pregnant. So I've got to take care of this kid. And um, so my my normal life is going on. I've got to show up for my team. And I don't want to. All I wanted to do was either run into the woods or read about, you know, sh- shamanic practices and ancient traditions. And what I was reading about was very, um, it was, it was, it started off more like a research place, but it it veered into the experiential. Mm. And I didn't understand what that meant, but I wanted to be like experiencing stuff. Like I, I th- so it wasn't the, the hardcore research that I did around the divine feminine came a little bit later. Right. Um, so what so did they, I, Sorry, I'm going to say, what did those experiences look like for you? If you're now like immersing yourself in the experience of that sacredness, does that look like just being, doing something like formal or does that look like going out into the, just spending time in nature and with yourself? You know, and I didn't give myself permission to do that at the beginning. So I didn't know. I I had a meditation practice already. Mm -hmm. And so I would continue to do the meditation. But what happened in the meditation practice is that I I had been trained in more of like Vipassana, which is or um, like insight meditation, which is just you're just emptying your mind, emptying your mind, emptying your mind. And now all of a sudden it felt like somebody had just dumped like a giant dose of magic on my meditation practice where I'm like, the wind is literally moving in sync with my breath. How can this be? Or there's like, everything was just like the the appearance of Venus seems like she's there to tell me something. The moon at this angle feels like she's communicating to me. And all of that was like, oh, what do I do with this? This is so magical, but I don't, I don't know how to process it. And so I just kind of fumbled along. And after my son was born, 
um, and that that knowledge about the divine feminine came in, I didn't know what I I knew that there must be a female face of God. And now I just want to laugh at that or just give give that younger version of me a hug that that I had made it all the way to that point in my life. And I I, knew, I didn't know this. Um, but as soon as that showed up, I knew that that was what I was supposed to be doing with my life. Like mm-hmm. that was what that not the only thing, but that is one of the biggest reasons why I am here in this lifetime. And I didn't know how to do that. And so I, I kind of just fumbled along and was like trying to go through the motions at my job and trying to um, play as if things were normal and they weren't. And so as you can imagine, you know, when your energy gets diffuse and it's not, I'm no longer pouring all my energy into my company because I don't want to, mm. the energy starts to fizzle out of that, right? Like our clients, we don't have as many clients. Like it, it just all starts to kind of get a little bit shaky. Um, I think yeah. So it wasn't easy. No, no. <laughs> and I think it is important for for people to ha- hear that because you know, it's very easy to gloss over those moments. And and yet everyone else is around there going, oh my God, I feel like, you know, you said like a split in the timeline and it's like, what what on earth is going on? And I think the other thing that you said that I think is really worth like diving into a little bit is that you're like, oh, I wish I could go and give my like my 30 year old self a hug for not knowing that. And then you're like, oh yeah, success. I'd never really thought about it, but the money, it was just another goal. But I think we are so surrounded and we just take on the air quotes philosophy of success looking like bigger 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 and you know and not questioning we're so busy we have so much information coming at us all the time that we don't have time every day to sit down and go actually what does god represent to me who is that person what is it and you know what is my definition of success because we have our families we have culture we have society we have global influences constantly telling us what success looks like what god should look like what a air quote spiritual awakening should look like how you should perform in the world what you should look like what you should do with your life what parenthood should look like what birth should look like i don't think we could ever in even in our own lifetime unpack all of the things and so yes i'm sure i'm sure all of us have those moments where like oh my god how did i not know that you know <laughs> and i think that's the point of these conversations is to go it's okay if you've never thought about it. Perhaps now's your chance to go, oh yeah, because in the book you talk about um, there being, oh, what was it? The two faces of God, the masculine and the feminine, because you'd heard, was it a rabbi talking about that or something? Oh, well, there was a, I do reference that in the in the beginning of the book. There's I read an article about a rabbi mm. who, who said, right, a rabbi who was saying that God is um, gender fluid. Mm, yeah, which which I think if you were raised in a um, Jewish faith, or I've certainly had podcast guests who that does sound like yeah that that is more common, but that is not what I experienced mm. as growing up in a Protestant conservative Christian. Um, no, it's like an off sky god sat on his cloud with his big beard, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, and Watching so there, you, yeah. yes, and I've interviewed many people who have been like, oh, I knew from the beginning that that was a bunch of BS, you know, like mm-hmm. I knew there was supposed to be a, a female. And I'm like, how did you, I feel like I should have known. I was a deeply questioning child, but I think I, I was also like really indoctrinated in being the good kid, the good girl. And I I knew that there was something that didn't sit well with me about the whole 
um, sky God. And like, mm. it, you know, like it didn't like, there was just too much contradiction. I didn't really get it. And there wasn't a lot of warmth to it to me, but I never thought to question the gender or, you know, that God could be a woman. Uh, it just was not in my, in my frame. And I think even having a relationship with God, it was important for my family to go to church on Sundays. It was important to, I don't want to say go through the motions, but it, it definitely seemed like something, it was a should, you know, like we, mm-hmm. we do these things because we should. It's just and something I, we do. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even know that I had these deep inquiries about spirit, but I didn't even know that those could exist outside of the framework of a church for a long time. I thought that that was the place I was supposed to be taking those inquiries. And every church I went into, I'm like, this isn't working for me. I got to get out of here. So it it was like a part of myself that I just shoved aside. I was like, I'm supposed to be working. I'm supposed to be out there building my business and making money. (laughs) Growing. I think it is interesting how, Oh, you know, for the Christianity in particular, we can trace it back to the the pact between the scientists and the religion going, we'll take the bodies, you can have the soul. But there is that split of like spirituality is separate from everydayness. And, you know, there's always a little bit of a joke over here in the UK. It's like, you know, the people who go to church on the Sunday who think they're good Christians, who will walk by that person on the street that needs the help, but because they go to church, they're the good people and you know there can very much be those stories around that church and I think we do we do need to get it back to a point where spirituality whatever that means to people is like just a normal part of everyday life and not something saved for Sunday or you know whatever day is appropriate for that religion or culture so your business is now slowing down <laughs> your face is like, oh, yep, I remember that. Yeah, um, yeah. What was the point when you're like, okay, I have to actually do something now? Because I mean, that's a big shift. You've got two children now, successful company, and now you're like, okay, I'm going to do something completely different. All right. Well, uh, this didn't make it in the book, Rebecca. So I'm just going to share it with, with Ooh, you now. Exclusive. Uh, exclusive. <laughs> um, I. Well, at first I was like trying really hard to um, network. So I, at the time I lived in California in the San Francisco Bay area, which is a very, it's a progressive place. It's a good place to be. If you're going to have a spiritual awakening, there's, you're going to, there are some people out there who can connect with you. Um, and, and there's a whole mindfulness movement that of course is really entrenched now, I think, but at that time felt a little bit newer. And so uh, there were people who are hosting like um, wisdom at work and mindfulness work and how do we make work more conscious events. And so mm-hmm. I started going to these things to network with people um, thinking like, I can do both. I can, you know, kind of, I'm not going to tell people that I had this thing around the divine feminine, but I'm going to show up and network with these people and maybe it will lead to business for my business. That did not happen. I had really good conversations. I made amazing friends. Um, but the conversation was about anything but work. And um, and so I, I came to a point where I'm like, I'm going to have to get out of this. I, I don't know how I'm going to do that because it's my company. I built it. Now I've got all these employees. I've got people counting on me, but I need to get out of this. And I had decided that I was going to give myself a year and which is very reasonable. You know, like I would, mm. I, I, I would talk to Very practical of you <laughs> someone who, who worked for me we're going to work it out like i would i would bring it to her carefully like we would work out a plan for maybe if she wanted to take over the business and it would all be smooth um 
And yet the pressure that I felt was so intense. Like I didn't want to do it another day. Like it felt Mm -hmm. urgent that I needed to move on. So I'll keep the story short, but I had gone to a, a gala with my company. I was on the board of a women's nonprofit and, um, it had been this really great event, you know. I had a fancy dress and other fancy shoes, and and uh, and so as I was leaving that event, I'm like, you know what? I I could keep doing this. This isn't this isn't it's not this too bad. bad. <laughs> it's not that bad of a gig. <laughs> and um, I I got home, and um, there had been a paranormal event in my house while I was gone. Um, yes, I had I had a, a nanny at the time who was home with my two children. And um, there's the whole kind of complicated handoff she was going to do to a, a, a younger babysitter mm-hmm. um, after the kids went to sleep. Um, and while the nanny and the babysitter were there, all of these really strange things started happening in my house. Um, like, you know, some of the standard lights going on and off, yeah. um, clocks resetting themselves in my son's room. Uh, there was, um, you know, hand soap that somehow magically got pumped in front of his, like a stool with his name on it. Uh, it, it, it there was a, there was a lot going on there. Flowers that somehow got out of the vase and ended up all the way across the room mail that ended up sitting on my dog, like just, Oh my really gosh. Stuff. Yeah. 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 And, um, and then the kind of the, 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 the kicker was, um, my son kept crying. So they went in to, to check on him and, um, found that his crib sheet had been ripped by a foot down the middle while he was laying in bed swaddled. He was eight months old. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, and then they started hearing the sounds of coins falling on the hardwood floors without any signs of money. My God, how old were these babysitters? I mean, they must be like terrified. (laughs) Well, so my nanny had been with our family for five years. She was 60 60 years old at the time and extremely practical. Mm -hmm. And the younger babysitter, I think, was 12 or 13. And so my nanny is very no-nonsense, was just like, you know, at first she would be like, I'm busy. I don't have time to, you know, like deal with this. You know, she's just sort of trying to tune it out. But but when you find like the ribbed sheet... And then you hear the money falling. And the money, yeah, the noise, yeah. Oof. Yeah, so at that point, she's like, starts speaking aloud to the house. Um, and is like, look, do whatever you want. Uh, you can do whatever you want, but just leave the kids alone, okay? Oh, and, bless her. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then at that point, she decided to stay. She had planned to leave because we were going to mm. be out quite late, which is why the younger babysitter was there. She's like, I'm not leaving this kid with these kids, yeah, I, I will stay. So she stayed. Um, and then at that point, everything stopped. And so there's a lot of ways to unpack what happened there. I don't think it was just about me. And I'm not sure I want to go into all of it because there's some, you know, some family elements to that. Mm. Like, I think there was a presence. Um, I think there was definitely multiple presences in our house, some that were targeted at perhaps wanting my older experienced nanny to stay there. And what was important to me when they told me all this, so I come in the house at midnight with my husband and there's, you know, there's my nanny and the babysitter, the babysitter's mom sitting around my table with a ripped crib sheet sitting on the table. Like, okay, don't freak out, but we got to tell you what went down in the house. And it was very clear to me that there was no, um, there was no harm. My house, I knew mm. it. I, there was no harm intended. My house felt safe. It had always felt safe. It felt safe that night. No one was there to harm my kids or anybody there. It was very clear that something was trying to get attention. And I think 
I have a friend who said the goddess does not play a zero sum game. So this was not all about me. There were multiple things happening and reasons why, but what that moment did for me, it was like literally the universe took me by my shoulders and shook me and was like, cut it out with the ego stroking and the galas. Okay. There is, there is a much bigger world here. Are you going to pay attention? Cause we're calling you. Yeah. And so that was kind of the breaking point for me. It was, it was so big and so significant and just a reminder that there was, so you can't ignore more. that. Can you? I, I couldn't. <laughs> and so, and, and that was the point at which I put everything into motion to exit my company and I did it poorly and it was a mess. I just, because at that point I just felt like I needed to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, and then after that, it took a long time, I would say at least a couple of years for me to recover because not from that paranormal that we, you know, worked that out and figured out what was going on there, but, um, but, but recover from what felt like loss of identity, you know, like, okay, mm. now I fully accepted that I am not going to be Mrs. Powerful Businesswoman. I have fully accepted that I spent years of my life developing something that now doesn't really feel meaningful to me. Like I had to process that. It's uh, huge was, identity pieces. Yeah. People don't give it enough, enough credit really for how important that that identity piece is you know I think sometimes the ego gets a bad rap but it's like it's our egos that allow us to be who we are to present as we are to do the great work in the world of course we don't want to be egotistical about it but our ego actually is really important and when we start having those loss of identities I mean that's huge especially when you're suddenly going from Mrs Businesswoman to going oh I've had a paranormal activity in my house I better quit you know it's like the people that knew you in the old business world must have been like you know Liz are you okay well and <laughs> I didn't tell talking didn't... to your partner are they are you okay <laughs> I, I people did ask that I didn't tell people yeah. about the well I told some people about the paranormal event but that was not that wasn't woven into mm. why I left I didn't explain it in that because I didn't think I could explain it no and so there were definitely questions of like whoa she is she I mean actually I know that somebody asked like is she sick like do you is she, mm. she got a diagnosis or something because the, the woman that I knew would never walk away from her business and I'm like well but I'm not that woman anymore yeah and it's like I think sometimes we can become again, air quotes, the victim of our own success, isn't it? You're a successful businesswoman. And so people just expect you to carry on because you've created a life around that, an identity around that. And suddenly you've gone, that's actually no. Now I actually have to find out who I am and how I want to, you know, that soul energy to be expressed in the world, not yeah. just the societal expectations. Yeah. So how do you go from going, okay, bedsheet, I'm listening. And I love the fact as well that the 60-year-old lady stayed. It's like that grandma energy. It's like, that, you know, looking after the goddess energy going, okay, the house is fine, but I'm staying here in that sacred space and like hold holding that space as well. Yeah. Yes, yes, that lovely lady. Um, she really is. <laughs> so what happens next for you then? What? Yeah. Because I know that you go on a bit of a track of sacred sites, don't you? And I do. I, I want to ask you. I'm not. I'm not sure you're allowed favourites, but did you have a favourite? But does that come next, or does that come afterwards? Where does that yeah. come in? That was a couple. That was um, a year or two after that. Let's mm. see. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, I think it was two years after that. Um, no. So for the for the next couple years, I really was trying to learn how to be in the world in a different way. Because also in giving up that identity, 
um, I was giving up a way of being that meant I needed to be on all the time. I spent my entire mm. career in like a, a billable service world, which I don't know if that means a lot to people, but what that means is you track every hour of your time because you're billing it to clients. And so every moment of my day, the more productive I was, the more successful I was, mm-hmm. right? Like the more money I made for my company or for myself. And so I really had to unlearn that way of like rigidity of like, okay, every hour needs to be regimented. I'm billing it to people and this is going to be good. And that took a long time. So I I slept a lot. Um, I was fortunate in selling I, I did sell the company. I sold a service-based company, which means there's no like real tangible assets. So I don't want people to think that there's a lot of money exchanged with that. There was there was some, which gave me a little mm. bit of wiggle room, but it's not like selling Facebook or something like that. <laughs> In no yeah. way. Um, so I had a little bit of wiggle room, which was nice. Um, and so I, I started, I, I slept a lot. I spent a lot of time going to the woods. I, I had met an intuition teacher through mm. all of this kind of randomly not you know, I'd met her through a work context and, um, I love that. randomly, of course, randomly. Oh, I know it was all, there's no random, right. It was also perfect, <laughs> but I started working with her. Uh, she was actually a business coach and I had discovered that she did this intuition work. She helped me sort out some of the paranormal things that went, in, went down in my house. Yeah, yeah. And, and not long after I spoke with her about that, I dreamed about her. I had never met her before, but I dreamed not in person, but I dreamed about her. I saw her and there was an infinity symbol floating beside her. And I called her and told her this and said, can we work together? And she said, yes, I think we should. <laughs> if you're seeing that, like, I think we should. Um, so I worked with her and, um, and, and it took about almost a year before I was ready to read anything about the divine feminine. I was very much in like a healing place and then yeah. kind of in an exper- experiential place working with my intuition teacher to feel into energy. I was practicing yoga and studying to be a yoga instructor. So I was going deeper into yoga philosophy and asanas and things like that. Um, and then I started researching and and uh, what happened is I wanted to go, like I would read about these places and I would feel so called to them. And then I'd be like, I can't do this. I've got a a one-year-old and a four-year-old. I can't go trekking around the country. Like, this is just not going to happen in my life. Like, the most I feel comfortable being gone is like a week. And where am I going to go for a week, you know? And um, and then I just, you know, one day had like kind of this lightning bolt idea of, wait, what if we took the summer? My kids aren't in school yet. And um, could my husband get a leave of absence from work. His company had a really generous vacation policy at that time. And so um, I thought it was insane to take a two-year-old and a five-year-old at that time, you know, all over, you know, Europe. But um, but that's what we did. That's what we did. And um, that really, then that really got me on the path. I knew at that point that I wanted to write about this, even though I was in no way ready yet, but I knew mm. that it was going going to write about it. And I knew that that, that pilgrimage would be a big part of it. Seeds had been planted. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought I was going to write on that trip. I didn't write a word. I mean, I did. I wrote a couple of blog posts, but I, I, it was really, I was meant to be in the, the experience. Yeah. And I, again, I think that's such a, oh, like a Western culture thing to do, isn't it? It's like, oh, I'm going to write when I'm doing it. And it's like, <laughs> or you could just be it, you know, just right. experience it. It's like, sometimes I'm, I get called to visit trees. Trees are my thing. Yeah. And I'm like, why am I here? And they're like, they're just like giving me, I don't know, it feels like piece a part of a jigsaw puzzle. 
And um, I, was, I was chatting to a previous guest and I was like, oh, it's wisdom keeping. They're giving me the wisdom. But it's like, I feel like I should visit and then have to write something or do something with it rather than just be in it and experience yeah. it and like percolate in all of those energies of all of the trees that I've ever visited. And no doubt something will come of it at some point or it's just giving me more energy or information that helps the people that I work with now, isn't it? But it's so funny that yes. we're like, we've got to make it useful <laughs> or productive Instead of, that's the opposite of why you're wanting to go there. Yeah, so, and I yeah, I'm going to blame like our whole patriarchal capitalist model that tells us again we need to be turning it into a product or a commodity yeah. or like getting something out of it, right? Yeah. And it's like people that do art that create amazing. I had I had this friend that made incredible art, and she's like, oh, everyone's telling me I should make it into a business, should I? And I'm like, sure, if you want it to be a business, but then where's your creative outlet? Because then you're having to put a value on it and then you're having to trade it. And I said, and actually, this is something you do for yourself. And she yeah. was like, oh, thank God. She's like, I can do this just for me. And I'm like, you can have some things just for yourself without, you know, having to open an art gallery to show that your art has value to somebody else. Yes. So when you were traveling, mm -hmm. do you have a particular place that either um like shocked you at like the energy that was there like the power of it or um maybe shocked is the wrong word but something that surprised you or do you uh, like I say do you have a favorite it's like I always think I shouldn't have favorite trees but I do it's like choosing a favorite child luckily I only have one so I, I have definitely have a favorite <laughs> child phew but I do have like a favorite tree and I sometimes feel like I'm cheating on the other trees um <laughs> but do you have like a, a, a place that holds special significance when you went traveling well, every place we went was special. And I have to say that mm. it became, um, but it, yes, I do. But um, it became, as we planned it, you know, it was clear it was going to be a family trip. So it became something bigger than um, just like my pilgrimage to divine feminine yeah. sites. And so the places that we ended up going, like they may not, you know, some of them may make sense. So we go, we went to Crete. We mm -hmm. spent um, a good bit of time on Crete, a few different places. And then we went to um, Switzerland, which had always just been on my bucket list as a place to go. And now we're going to spend all summer in Europe. So let's go to Switzerland. Um, and I did go visit the Black Madonna of Einstein there. Um, but we spent a lot of time in the Alps there. And then we went to France. And we went to Alsace because my husband's really into wine. And so, but... We, France and, is good for wine. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we did Alsace and the war. But then we went down to the Dordogne so we could experience mm. some of those caves. And then we went to um, Glastonbury. Um, and so I think the first reason I wanted to go was because of Crete. Mm. I, I really, really felt called there. And I had, um, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm comfortable in the not knowing. Uh, so I will say in my, my limited understanding, uh, there was some definite like past life energy, or there's something that I'm, I'm holding from that place that felt extremely, extremely familiar. Um, when I went to visit some ruins it was it was really palpable um but literally every place i went had a gift of the power of it like i had some sort of just on fire experience akin to the what i had at the business conference like mm. every place that i went and um i think those it's tapping into the sacred energy of those places combined with my intention and longing to connect with them i think that that be, that's the alchemy and it yeah creates beautiful you know spaciousness and opening um so, i love yeah. the, 
Yeah, I love the fact that it was a family trip too. Because again, there is there's something really powerful about doing things as a family, if that's what you have. And there's something really powerful about doing it by yourself. But it's about actually doing it rather than going, oh, I'll wait for the kids to grow up and leave home. Rather than going, actually, I've got a space right now where we could actually all just go together. And it's like sometimes like I visit a sacred space and I've got my little boy with me. Now I've got a dog in tow too and, you know, my partner. And I'm just like, oh, it'd be so nice just to be able to sit here and really connect to the energies. And I'm also like, and life is for living. It'd be nice to like sit there and do like a big ceremony. And I'd actually rather just be here and enjoy the space, you know, particularly with the goddesses that I work with, the, the, the Caridwin, like a mother goddess. It's like, of course we bring our family. Well, for me, it's like, of course I bring my family with me because yes. that's the energy of the embodiment. It's not, again, it comes back to this like separation. Oh, I can only be spiritual if I'm sat by myself meditating on top of a mountain going, you know, chanting or whatever. And it's like, that is amazing for those people that it works for. and. It's about for me. It's def- I'm definitely more of a muddy priestess than a you know kaftan pre- priestess. You know, I love that. <laughs> My friend was talking about having a photo shoot once, of, like being covered in gold because she totally embodies that energy. And I was like, oh my god, my photo shoot would be like mud over my face and twigs in my hair. That's you know that's what I would embody. Oh <laughs> and, my god. and both are perfect because both yes. is a perfect reflection of both of us. And you know we're really really good friends too. So <laughs> it's like. We, we can have both. And so I love the fact that you're like, oh, let's take the family because in your life in that moment, that was the perfect thing to do, wasn't it? Yes. And I'm so glad. Thank you for spelling that out and reminding me of that. Yes, because I, I do remember when I first got the idea to do this, you know, the, the, the part of you that's like, well, that's a bad idea. That's crazy. Like you can't, how's that going to work? And then the other part's like, but wait, what if, what if, what if he can take a leave of absence? And then Okay, but you've got kids, like you cannot drag your kids around, you know, Europe for two months. And then, and then it was literally like this other voice in my head was like, she's the great mother, you dodo. Of course, you can bring your kids with you. <laughs> like, oh, right. Okay. She, it's exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go sit in a cave and meditate alone. And there were definitely moments on the trip that I wished that I'd had more time to myself to like really sink into the energy. I think that's motherhood though, isn't it? Just wishing you've got a bit more time alone sometimes. (laughs) So true. Like there was one time we, there was a cave that I really wanted to visit on Crete. And so we're like, okay, how are we going to do this? My kids are not going to want to go see this cave. So first we took them to a dinosaur museum and then we went to the cave and then my husband and I took turns and he sat in the car and like, you know, played a podcast for them or something. And, And I went in the cave for 10, 15 minutes and then we switched and it worked. Um, But also I had these really amazing experiences in the most mundane places of just feeling of connectedness of energy. Like once it was just laying in bed while my kids were watching My Little Pony in the next room uh, in Crete. And another time it was on an airplane on the way from France to England. Like, And so it was almost like these reminders of like, we think, I'll say I, I think that conditions have to be perfect in order Mm. to connect with source or divine or whatever. And but you are source, you are exactly. divine. And it's yeah. always there. Those right. places can make it easier for us to access because we go there with a sense of reverence. Yes. But if we held ourselves with that same reverence, we could be doing the washing up and having those exact same experiences too. Yeah. Or maybe not the exact same, but we could be having a experience of divinity yeah. in the mundane. Yes. Just yeah, the magic is most definitely in the mundane. Yes. I love it. So 
where does that lead you to like where you are today? What does the working with that sacred feminine, the divine feminine in your everyday life look like? Mm-hmm. It, I feel like it's settled into, um, there's like a maturity to it. I don't love that word, but that's kind of how it feels. Like, I, I mean, I'll be it's okay to have maturing. It's like I'm embracing my gray hair. I love it. Getting old. Love it. Yes, it, it is. <laughs> and I think I miss a little bit of like the what just happened. Do you know what I mean? When some of these experiences start to mm-hmm. become happen on a more regular basis, or you have a frame of reference of like, oh, right. Yeah, this can happen. Oh, yes, I can have a dream that um, you know, blows the top of my head off, or I can have this deep uh sense of peace and connectedness. Um in the woods behind my house too. Like it becomes, um, none of these words are working ordinary or it just becomes more part of life. And so I I think I miss a little bit of like the, the, you know, hair on fire, (laughs) like, what? Yeah. yeah. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's become a very settled part of, of my life, you know, and, and over many years I've developed a, a a morning, um, kind of a morning practice that I do and a, a, a ritual that I do for myself to, to stay connected with the divine mother. I, I have incorporated and I've been doing it for a few years now. I've incorporated, um, you know, praying a divine feminine version of the rosary with friends, um, every honor around every new moon, mm. uh, where we, we hold each other's intentions and we've really, I mean, you can put the Christianity into it if you want to. I don't, you know, it's, it's much more about connecting with the mother. And then it's become a lot about how do I bring this into my, my family's life and my children's lives in a way that doesn't feel forced and allows them to be who they are, but makes it clear that, you know, this is, we have access to these things. Um, And so some of that's conversations. Some of that is um, uh, winter solstice is a really big holiday in our family. We, Mm. we keep, we keep the lights off all day. So that's part of it to kind of tap in. And um, I make recipes that are older, you know, try either from family or trying to go back and find really old English, Scottish recipes. That's mostly and Irish. That's our family heritage. Um, but trying to normalize some of these things for their, for their lives. Um, and, and then it's become my work too, which it brings me joy. You know, I love, mm. I'm so passionate about sharing the history of the divine feminine with people. Um, I just think we need to know it. It's our birthright. Like if you're not a history person, that's cool. You don't have to spend nearly as much time with it as I have, but you ought to know. You ought mm. to know that this isn't something that um, ladies and flowered moo-moos made up to make us feel better about patriarchy. There's just a very real history here. And by the way, I'm a lady in a flowered moo so I'm not mocking anybody. <laughs> like I'm down with all that, but um, but it's a real thing. Like I feel like the divine feminine can play anywhere and everywhere she will meet you in the magic and she will meet you in the history books she's there mm. and so it's joyful to be able to do this work too through the podcast and writing oh isn't it fantastic okay it's great so conversations great. with people like you i love it I know. um in your book there's a couple of chapters you like talk about the divine feminine the sacred feminine in its various guises and the two that really stood out for me and i'd love you to talk to these if you would is the, uh, she as vibrant living tradition and mm-hmm. she as he- the healing medicine we need mm-hmm. so pick one of those to start with okay well i do like to talk about her as a vibrant living tradition because mm-hmm. i think initially when i started learning about her i was learning about her from my heritage so i am as american as they come i've got seven plus generations on united states soil so it's very hard for me to imagine a homeland even though i have one but it's the United States. That's where my people are from. But I think that I was 
you know, really drawn to European history. So my family is, you know, mostly from England, Scotland, and Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think if you look at European history, you can find a really clear storyline of how, uh, Christianity really did everything it could to destroy, uh, the divine feminine. I mean, it's just, it's just there. It's ugly and it's, it's unpleasant. And I, and, and that kind of comes out of the Middle East, which is where the, you know, uh, uh, Jesus started, right? Christianity started. And so I think it can be easy to make the extrapolate that and put that on the rest of the world to say, ah, well, patriarchy killed the divine feminine 10,000 years ago. And in some places that's true, but it isn't true in the Americas, for example. Um, mm. There, I I strongly believe there was a sacred feminine presence in the Americas I don't, it does not appear that they would have called it a goddess. Um, for example, like it, it was maybe Mother Earth or some other, like an energetic force, but she was very happy here until 500 years ago when colonizers arrived on this soil. And so it's important to look at it, you know, from that perspective, yeah. like, look, this isn't something that just is dead. But then also, if you look around, um, Hinduism, you know, you've got more than a billion people practicing. Uh, versions of that religion, that spiritual practice. And there are many divine feminine aspects there. Um, any tradition that comes out of Africa, and a lot of those were oral traditions that got really decimated through the slave trade, but people have revived those in beautiful ways and changed them and turned them into other practices. And you have millions and millions of people around the world who know divine feminine forces through those religious traditions too. Um, and so I think it's important to understand, first of all, that we're telling a story that's not influenced by white patriarchy, like, oh, the goddess is dead. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, but second of all, I think it tells us like, this is a living force. Like we, yes, we can reach back through our own roots and try to feel into it. And intuitively, we can try to feel into it. And there are people that are practicing this and understand and have a relationship with the divine feminine in their own way all over the world. And so how wonderful is that? We're not starting from scratch here. This isn't something that's just been completely decimated and it's not possible to kill her. Like she's not dead. She's not going to die. So. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> no. Yeah, I know. I love looking at that because I think, you know, especially with Christianity, who do you have? You have the Virgin Mary. And I'm like, we have to stop thinking virgin means not having sex. Virgin, like from the goddess or the, you know that tradition before Christianity, just meant a woman beholden to no one. Yeah. There were lots of Roman and Greek goddesses that were virgins, but they'd had plenty of fun. You know, it wasn't about being pregnant. It was just being beholden to no one. And yet we have yes. this very puritanical oh, she, you know, they hadn't had sex, but look, they had a child. And it's like, really? When when can we let that go? It must be about time, surely. Um, so yeah, like you say, we've got such rich history of it being alive in the world. It's not just yes. about that very, I'll say small, <laughs> it's not quite small, is it? But, you know, that one lens through that, that Christian space. Yes. And I'm so glad you mentioned Mary because, I mean, there's a whole unpacking you could do around Mary, but, uh, you know, she is the mother of God. Okay. So even if the Catholic Church isn't going to name her a deity, what is the mother of God, if not the origin of all things? I mean, Mm. just think about the language there and think about the fact that the most visited shrines around the world 
are Marian sites. And I've had so many people join me on my podcast talking about their grandmothers who had a deep connection to Mary. They were Catholic, but when you break down what it meant to be Catholic, they were praying to Mary. And, with Mary, yeah. And and so she is the divine feminine of Christianity. People just, you know, certainly not in my Protestant the way I was raised. Like they really tried to get rid of every aspect. But um, but she's she's still there too, you know. So she's not she's she's definitely not gone. Yeah, absolutely, definitely that living tradition. And then you talk about the healing medicine we need. Yeah. What do, what does that represent or does that mean for you? Well, I think um for me, and also I want to say, and I do say this in that chapter, that um, she's a healing medicine, not the healing medicine, because again, I think we can, you know, like there's there are indigenous traditions that have not been um, destroyed by colonization, thank goodness, and um, who have a very grounded understanding of the world and spirit and yes, practice your faith, you know, or practice your spiritual, the spirituality that has been hand down to, handed down to you from your ancestors. It's a beautiful thing. But I think for those of us that didn't get that, that were not, that didn't have that, then the divine feminine can be this incredible portal. She's a way out of rigid, monotheistic, um, male God Christianity. She's, she's she's a path towards seeing all of life as sacred. And she's definitely a path to having a deeper um, relationship with nature. And then I also think about, and sometimes I can viscerally feel it, like this underground energy that women are holding, that it comes from our ancestors, like they had it, they weren't able to tap into it. it. It is so freaking big. I think if people are afraid of it, they're right to be. Mm. And we, we don't even know how to get it up and out. And if that energy were released, I mean, you think about it, we're talking about 50% of the world's population here, right? Um, and you and I speaking from uh, countries in the West have it better than most women, uh, right? Like in terms For of sure. opportunity and all of that. If you are able to tap into that latent power of women, I can't, I mean, I feel like anything is possible. Any mm. transformation is possible. And I think the divine feminine is a way to help us tap into that power that we know is there. She is a key to unlocking it. Yeah. And I love that. And I completely agree with that because we were talking just before we started and I was like, oh, it's like the dark goddesses. Not that I like that term dark goddesses, but people understand that kind of frame. And it's like, but it's in the darkness that the magic happens. You know, we're yes. taught to fear the darkness, but really, again, patriarchy when we do fear the darkness it's like where do we hold our magic where do we hold the power of healing where do we you know hold our intuition it's in the darkness it's in the mysteries it's in the things that we can't put under a microscope and make sense of so we're taught to fear that yes of course i don't want you walking down dark streets where it's a bit dodgy you not that kind of darkness but if we reclaimed that power our intuition that healing the you know just that inner knowing I think people then become afraid of the power aspect because we're brought up in a world where power means power over. It's a dominating right. energy rather than like that radiance from within of being, of having self authority or just knowing yourself so deeply, regardless of the circumstances you may or may not find yourself in. It's like you still know that you can like start to forge how you experience the world. You might not be able to change everything in the world. You might still have to do things that, you know, 
might not be your favourite job, but you can then have that connection to something bigger. And I just think, like I say, if all of us took back that power with confidence, with the gravitas, it's like that would change the world without really? question. Yeah. You know, people would look after themselves, they'd have better boundaries, they'd look after then when they were nourished, they could then look at, have the energy and the time and the just like the capacity to then look after their communities. And when you have communities looking after each other, well, then you've got countries and then you've got much bigger things. But while we're still afraid of having any semblance of power, hello in the UK, getting too big for your boots, uh, getting above your station for you, yes. it will be getting too big for your britches yes. or tall poppy syndrome. It keeps us all afraid of owning the air quotes bigness of the potential we actually have. And big doesn't mean you have to be on a world stage. Sometimes just being big within your own family is the big, or in your own life, is enough to have the ripple effect of the world around you. So it's like, I love the darkness. I'm like, oh, all yeah. the good things happen in the darkness. You know, it's like we kiss, you know, other things yes. might lead on from that. You know, it's <laughs> like we heal, we sleep, we rest, we nourish, we nurture. And it's like, we need to embrace that energy of darkness more because that is where the power and the magic is. I believe anyway. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, um, I mean, and again, and again, like we've, we've lost our connection to natural cycles, but we know, we know that, right. The seed, what is happening in the darkness with the seed? We don't know. I mean, we kind of think you do, but we still don't know the processes through which like, why does this happen and this happen and this happen? That's like all the magic. Is, we just is know there. that it follows an inner knowing that it can't explain. Yes, It just does it. It's brave. It's courageous. It breaks free from the shell of all that it's known into the damp, wormy soil. And then it just keeps growing and growing and you know, each stage from when it breaks the seed to then it breaks the soil into the daylight to when it unfurls its first leaves. All of that must be terrifying you know, from a, if you made it into a person, each of those, like you going from one, having your job and just turning up at that conference going, oh, just another day <laughs> to having a rip in the fabric of reality yeah. going, oh, that's not quite how I <laughs> expected my day to go. And it's like, you've broken through the shell, haven't you? And you're like, then it becomes the new normal. And then the next thing happens and you're like, now I'm giving up my company. And then the next thing happens of now I'm traveling to Europe. <laughs> and then yeah. there's always something else. And I think in those moments, we can either go, holy broomsticks, I'm going back home, <laughs> forget this. Or we can go, okay, let's see where this inner, that seed, that inner knowing just evolves into. Because yeah. it's, you know, that's how we become the fullest expression of ourselves, I guess. Yes, totally. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's something I think you have to feel rather than yes. know. Yeah. Yes. I also want to say that I'm really glad that you named, and you know, power is a word that we get tangled up with. I'm just so glad that you named that it doesn't have to mean like, it it, it doesn't have to be expressed in this capitalist way of like mm. achievement. Or like, everybody's going to see me. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Like when, and, and maybe another way of saying it is like tapping into the sacredness of ourselves mm, and understanding yeah. the sacred nature of ourselves. Well, that means your dreams and your desires and your, your visions are sacred. You know, that doesn't mean they have to be sold or like, you know, disseminated to a million people, but like that, that inner beauty that's within you deserves to come out and deserves to be expressed and it is sacred. Um, and even if that, if we all did that, can you imagine what the world would be like? Yeah. And I think what you just said then as well, it's like, it doesn't have to be recognized. It doesn't have to be understood by anyone else. If you're yeah. calling it sacred, holy, whatever language you want, 
well, that's it is. Yeah. You know, it's like sacred space. Doesn't mean it has to have an altar or candles or all of that space. It could just be somewhere where you're like, this is my moment of connection. And like I say, if you have little kids running around the house, just that could be in the shower. <laughs> that sacred moment where you like, I'm going to shut the door. And if you get a shower in peace with little kids, oh, congratulations. Um, <laughs> totally. Tell people how you're doing it. You could make a fortune. Um, but yeah, it's just like just having that, those moments and acknowledging your own sacredness, I think is incredible. Yeah. So where do you recommend if people are listening to this now and they're like, oh my gosh, I I I recognize that energy. I think I, you know, I'm having moments like that too. I mean, apart from obviously listening to your podcast, Home to Her, and reading your book, Home to Her, all the links will be in the show notes. Um, where where do you recommend people start? Yeah, well, and um the book was written kind of for people like me who were like, where mm. do I go? You know, like and can I give you some of this information? But I think because to me, the sacred feminine goes hand in hand with um, developing and honing our t- intuition. I would say, start looking around you. Like if you, if you mm. listen to this and you are really into this conversation, then you're being called already. Like it's just, <laughs> it's, it just is. And so now look at what's calling to you. Like what is falling into your field? What dreams have you had? What animals are walking across your path? What tree is speaking to you? What, um, what random coincidence, random, I'm going to put in air quotes, coincidence <laughs> thing, like book, story, like movie, whatever just keeps crossing your path and follow that. Because I think, uh, she's, she's good like that. She, she's, she likes to lay out breadcrumbs for you to follow. Um, and it's also a good way to practice being led by the divine, mm. as opposed to like, you know, I had a lot of will energy, like I must power things forward. And and what I learned very quickly. And do it on my own time frame. Yeah. Rather than I, allowing to unfold. Yeah. Yeah. And what I learned after I left my company very quickly was like, anytime I tried to do that, all the energy just went, it was just mm. gone. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't work that way. It had to, it had to evolve in its own way. It's all unfolding. I always yeah. think more curiosity or on wonder is what yes. we need in the world, curiosity, awe and wonder. It's like what I'm always banging on about. And for me, when I was working, when I knew <laughs> that I had been called by the goddess, I, I have to be very careful of my language now because I I flippantly said once on a podcast, oh, I was claimed by the goddess and that was it. And then someone said, Rebecca, I've just left a very, like, you know, very, relig- I think it was Christianity or something. And, you know, that God was like, you have to do it my way or no way was like their experience. She's like, mm-hmm. are you telling me I've just swapped that for another version? I'm like, no, 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 no. I had choice, but it felt like everywhere I looked, suddenly she was there. I'd read a book. Suddenly Caradwin was in. The- I'd not yes. really heard about Caradwin before. And then suddenly I did. I had a moment and then she appeared everywhere, which, of course, you know, part of that is like when you know something, it starts appearing. Yeah. But then the, the icing on the cake for me was a month after my birthday, I received a, a late birthday present. And have you ever heard of the company Lush? It's um, a bath company and yeah. they're very, very fragrant. Incredibly, If you walk down the high street and you'll smell a Lush you're like 400 yards away, it's like you know all natural stuff, but it's very, very pungent. And I had a bath bomb arrive or bath melt and it was called Caradron's Cauldron. I'm like, okay, I'm listening. I'm signing up for the course. I'm doing it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like, you know, once you start paying attention, it once you start having that curiosity, everything falls into place, isn't it? 
You yes. talking about even the animals last night, uh, a couple of nights ago, I opened up my back door to take my puppy out for his like last walk of the night. And there was a toad sat on my doorstep that then just walked, just walked off. We don't have toads where I am. There's no ponds where I am. And I was just like, okay, that's most definitely a message received. Thank you very much. And I just yes. think, I just love living life in that way of having the world talk to me. Not everything has to be a sign. No. It pretty much is in my life, though. But it doesn't have to be. And you don't have to get like wrapped up in every little thing that happens. But I just think, I just enjoy living like in a in a world where it's full of like symbology and meaning and magic. Because what's the alternative? It just sounds a little bit boring to me. <laughs> oh, I totally agree. And I I think I think in multiplicities, you know, like yes, okay, so um it, the the raven that I saw in my neighborhood yesterday, which I've never seen a raven for two years since I've lived here, like is there for a reason besides just me, right? The raven has a purpose. The raven's looking for mm. food. The raven's like looking for a part. I don't know. The raven has a raven purpose. <laughs> the raven exists because it's a raven. <laughs> and <laughs> might it be here because raven is one of my guides? Yes. Like why these two things can coexist together, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a butterfly has a pollinating purpose. It is here for a reason. And might it flit across your life and trigger some inner knowing for you at that moment? Also, yes, like these Mm -hmm. things can be together. And I think if there's a practice of, you know, like reading the signs and symbols, if that goes hand in hand with spending time in nature, observing. And I know for me, like sometimes if I feel a little like I just even being barefoot outside Mm -hmm. is so helpful. Um, like that can really ground you in the practicality of the magic because then yeah. you're seeing like, ah, the natural world has its own rhythms and magic and reasons for doing things. And then those two things get to dance together. So, you know, like you, you're reading the signs and you're also placing them in the context of this much bigger thing that we are a part of. And, and, and you're feeling better. What, you know, you're feeling better than spending time in nature. And again, it comes back to this, like, oh, that part of. British history or European history where we went, oh, religion is going to have the spirit and science is going to have the body. We have a lot that has a lot to answer for, for this this separation of ourselves, yes. really, rather than being home to ourselves, of coming home to ourselves, of oh, have, yeah. of knowing that we are that spiritual person. It's not about now I'm spiritual because I'm in a particular place. Now I'm being a mother. Now right. I'm spiritual because I'm doing a certain practice now I'm a business owner. It's like the whole thing can be a beautiful woven tapestry of all of you, which I think is what you mean by home to her, isn't it? Well, you know, home to yourself. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I want to say one other thing about nature, like if you want to be subversive, it may not seem subversive to you, but there's this wonderful book called Witches and Pagans that was written by a woman named Max Deschew. It's quite uh, academic because that's that's her approach. She runs something called Suppressed Histories Archives and is just mm. a, a wealth of information. Um, but in that book, she talks about how in the Middle Ages, uh, Catholic uh, representatives, representatives of the church were going out of their way to stop people in Europe from doing things like sitting outside and gazing into a pond. Because if you did that, you might be having a conversation with God that was outside of the walls of the church. So if 
that's another thing I would say. If you want to, mm. you know, it, it might not seem subversive, but go sit outside and stare into the water and ask God to talk to you through Church it. I mean, goddess. Yeah. Yes. It's, I've said this before, but so many people say, oh, isn't it interesting that particularly in Europe, there are so many yew trees in churchyards. And I'm like, isn't it interesting that churches were built next to the yew trees because they were the first places of worship? Yes. Or one of the first places of worship, I should say, for like, you know, the Druid cultures, the pagan cultures of this land and not the other way around because that yew tree is thousands well hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of years older than that church yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah yeah totally i love that okay where can people find you um everything you will asking. be in the show notes but where is the yeah. best place for people to come and find you well, so if you're interested in the book, I would definitely recommend checking out my publisher's website, Woman Craft Publishing. It is available on Amazon or wherever you want to buy your books, but I love to support her. And I think you've had other guests from Woman yeah, Craft on before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's amazing and she's it's a woman-owned business. So it's a great way to support a woman-owned business. Um you can the the podcast is also home to her. You can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. I do have a um, YouTube now. I'm 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 doing the videos uh, episodes as well. So if you'd like to watch instead of just listen, you can do that. That's home to her, and pretty much everything is home to her. Instagram <laughs> home to her. Um, I do have a Facebook group that is is pretty active, um, and it's called Home to Her as well. So if you want to get in there and, and talk a website? about divine feminine, mm-hmm. and it's home to her. Home to her. That's all you need to remember, folks. <laughs> all home, home to, to her. her. <laughs> I am all path leads home. I love it. Well, you know, my my old school, you know, business thing didn't die, right? Like branding. <laughs> I got that down. Like, let's use the same name for consistency. Yeah. Thank you, goddess. So mm-hmm. thank you so much for joining us today. And thank you for sharing so much of your journey um, in such a beautiful way. Mm, thank you for asking. It's so fun to be in conversation with you. 